Thanks for tuning in. This episode was originally recorded for YouTube, so some references might be lost on listeners. To get the full experience and to view current episodes, go to youtube.com forward slash at Rob Talks Beer. That's youtube.com forward slash the at symbol Rob Talks Beer. All right, let's go to the episode. Welcome to Rob from the Internet Talks About Beer, a show where we discuss different styles of beer, beer history, beer flavor profiles. We give a shout out or two to a brewer we think does uh, beer exceptionally well, and we talk about whatever else happens to come to mind. I'm Rob from the Internet. Let's talk about beer. All right, so joining me today is uh, Mark McDermott. Hi. Uh, hi. So if you would, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Mark, and how you got interested and into the world of craft beer. Well, I live in uh, Downers Grove, which is a suburb of Chicago, moved to the area 30 years ago. And surprisingly, uh, a long time ago, I was in Mensa, and at one of their annual regional gatherings, they had people from the Chicago Beer Society come over and bring their own beer and give us the revelation that yes you can make your own beer then a couple years after that was when goose island opened up in the former turtle wax factory on Clybourne avenue and so here was a place that made their own beer so you just kind of get into it from there for a while i have been home brewing and i started blogging uh about the beer scene in chicago I have a site called Beeronaut.com, and I've just kind of watched the whole uh, local beer scene grow from just one or two breweries, one in Chicago, a couple in the suburbs, to now over 200 in our metropolitan area. So it's been kind of fun to sit and watch the uh, watch the growth of craft beer practically almost live, very figuratively explode in this area. I've been trying to work on a book about the whole idea of craft beer as a fan culture, where we look at beer fans as if they were, um, as if they were like Star Trek fans or comic book geeks and uh, so forth. That's kind of falling by the wayside as I keep trying to work from home. But uh, who knows? It may come back at some point. <laughs> right. Well, and, and and really, you're not wrong. I mean, craft beer fans are are just as uh, just as avid and rabid about craft beer as say people who are into star trek or star wars or or any any of the the comic book scenes or anything like that i mean the fan base is huge the fan base is very passionate so mm -hmm. and i've been uh, examining some of the biographies of some of the heroes of craft beer like uh, sam caligione uh Greg Hall Jr. at Goose Island and uh, Sierra Nevada, and they all kind of have a similar story. They discover good beer while they're overseas or some of them in the military and just kind of go on the journey to starting their own brewery. Uh, then they find their whales, their, the beer that people are going to be lining up for. So it just they, they just all kind of fall into a similar narrative that I'm hoping to uh, tie together. Nice. All right, well, let's jump right into uh, what we're drinking today. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Pilsners. Uh, I will be having um, Skeleton Park 
uh, Bohemian Pilsner. Uh, it's huh? from their her- from their Heritage series. So their Heritage series are beers that that all the recipes are at least a hundred years old, and they try and stick to uh, as close to maintaining the original recipe as possible. All right, and I have with me their the uh, Pilsner from Goldfinger Brewing Company. They just had their first anniversary this past weekend, and the fun part about it for me is that they were about a thousand feet from my back door. Uh, this was <laughs> a uh, this is started by a uh, family that uh, traced their roots back to Poland. Uh, the Goldfingers of Poland uh, may, had their own brewery and manufactured their own brewing equipment and uh, if you go to their brewery now which uh we talked about goose island being in a formal turtle wax factory they are now look that goldfinger is now located in a former um permaseal office there's a lot of re, there's a lot of fun reuse of uh buildings um in in the industry as well a lot of old churches get repurposed and so on so yes forth. so anyway they have uh six poles Six drafts, all with the uh, side pole faucet-like taps, and they only do lager beers. Um, they have their original lager, which is closer to, um, you know, your your uh, regular beer, and then Pilsners, which I found out this is actually a German Pilsner, and then they will occasionally have on a uh, Bohemian Czech-type Pilsner, and for their anniversary, they had a Polish Pilsner, which was made with Polish hops. Uh, I thought it gave it a little drier, slightly pepperier taste. And a Grodziski, the Polish smoked wheat beer. And they also have a Mexican lager, uh, which they supply to one of the local Mexican restaurants, which turns out to be not half bad as the skunky Corona you used to get out of a bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a good Mexican lager is a fantastic beer. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with them. So, in in terms of history, Pilsner, uh, as I know, and you might know more than me, so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, Um, Pilsner's uh, originated in the bohemian city of Pilsen, which is in in what is now the the western part of modern Czech Republic, Uh, and it was first produced, uh, mass-produced in 1842 uh, by a Bavarian brewer named Joseph Grohl. It was the world's first pale lager. The original, the the original Pilsner Urkel, is still produced in that in in Pilsen today. Um, and it's something I've discovered when when I was doing a little bit of research is that until 1993, Pilsner Urkel Brewery fermented its beer in open barrels. So it wasn't until the the 90s that they switched over to stainless steel uh, vessels, which I thought was was interesting. So. It makes me kind of wish I could travel back in time and grab some beer from 93 and then go to 94 and see if the if the flavor profile changed at all from from not being uh, fermented open air as opposed to to in in stainless steel. So um well, yeah, among the other information bits of information I learned uh that they basically the the whole trend toward lighter beer at that era started because they were going from stone, you know, your your earthenware or uh, ceramic German beer mugs to clear glassware, which was now being manufactured. And people started to look at their beer and it, they didn't like what they saw. They wanted something right. And uh, so that's when they started moving toward the lighter lagers. And the story goes that apparently a Czech monk in Bavaria had smuggled out samples of lager yeast in 1840, and that gave them something to work from. And 
The other thing we hear about lager yeast now is they've tried to track where it came from, and now they think its original source was in Patagonia in South America, and the explorers at that time in the 16th, 17th century uh, just shipped stuff back home in crates made from wood there, and the uh, lager yeast kind of got a ride from it, and that's how it got established in Europe. Yep. Yeah, I actually, um, I did I did a show in my previous sessions um, on, on lagers with with the brewer from uh, from in Washington State, and uh, yeah, we we got onto that subject because uh, we were talking about the, the lager yeast versus uh, versus ale yeast, and, mm-hmm. and it was it, it's I mean it's really interesting that that they just recently discovered you know the the origins of it relatively compared for for as long as we've been doing lagers and things like that. But yeah, and that was. But when they started doing the lagers and pilsner, that's when they first really realized what yeast was doing for beer. So anyway, um, I think I lost my train of thought. But um, it happens. I mean, it's yeah. it's a show about beer. <laughs> so the differences they say between Czech and German pilsners is that the Czech area had much softer water while the Germans adapted to a harder water profile. Yep. So we're going to have slightly different uh, tastes if these are made according to style. And I know the closest I've really gotten to the actual source uh, was a Budvar uh, or Czechvar, as they call it, at the airport in St. Petersburg, Russia. And that was incredibly flowery, and uh, it kind of made me realize, oh, that's what a Pilsner can be. So... That was uh, that was fun to discover, but the German one I have here is not going to quite be up to that profile. And it, you, you, that was when it, all the beer still came in bottles that kind of got skunked on the way over. So imports were still right. not as good as they are these days. Right. So yeah. So this one, th- this the th- this that I that I have has a beautiful golden color to it. And it's got it's got a very it's got a very light uh, aroma, and it is it is slightly floral. Um, it, it, it's it, it's I guess it, it's kind of floral and kind of bready. So um, you get kind of a, a kind of that you know that the, the smell the smell of of fresh bread with it. So okay, I just started mine pouring. I use the traditional stangy glass. Very nice. I'm just so, using a, a, a cheap oh, yeah. old pint glass. <laughs> but yes, that's when people wanted to see things through their beer instead of, because uh, yeah, once they and the the Mister Grohl, ah, what's his name again? Yosef. Yosef, uh, when he created the style, insisted on using very lightly kilned malts instead of uh, roasted or uh, smoked malts, so that helped create the lighter flavor. And when the Americans like uh, Bud White, like Anheuser-Busch and Miller tried to recreate it, they did not have the same access to uh, two-row malts. So that's when they had to start use adjuncts to keep it from just just to keep it light. So, right, yeah. So this this uh, the initial flavor, you know, is really light. It's sweet. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a, a slightly like. Uh, toasted biscuit flavor to it um and and it's got the mouthfeel is kind of a, a bready it's got that you know medium body kind of a bready body to it it's it's really really fantastic 
Yeah, the smell here is a very light. Uh, I, I like to call the German hops kind of peppery. Um, but uh, the malts in the nose really don't uh, stand up against the, the hops too much. So I think they still make their beers a little more hop forward, perhaps, than the traditional, than the very traditional style. Yeah. Well, uh, I know I know this beer uses Saz as the hops, so I, I'm not sure what yours uses, but this one uses Saz, which is a very mild hop. Yeah, I think this will probably be looked at using Hallertauer and Middlefru, the traditional German styles. Yep. And mine is much lighter and clearer than what I saw from you on the screen. Your, yeah, your, yours is much, much lighter colored than mine. Mine, <laughs> mine, has a, mine is, is, is very golden colored. So it's uh it's it's a darker it's almost almost the color of honey. I mean it's mm -hmm. and this is what we all are familiar with from uh, this is what we think beer looks like from when we first let from when our fathers first let us have a sip. Correct. Um in in the terms of uh one of my friends who's not a beer connoisseur of any sort, it's a beer flavored beer and that's what mm -hmm. he's always looking for. And 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 sometimes, you know, that's what you want. You just want a, a right. plain old ordinary, give me, give me a beer that tastes like beer. And everyone thinks this tastes like beer because this is what everybody tries when they're first starting out. But I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, people who aren't really starting out, who are just starting out with beer, or maybe they've just used the Mega Brews, the American Light Lagers, they will find this is a little more spicy and poppy than they're used to, even though it's not what uh, beer geeks would consider a hoppy beer, not a pale lager or anything like that. Right, right. And it's it's also going to have uh, a deeper uh, flavor profile than than your your Miller or your Bud or your Coors Lights or any of those uh, that every that, that typically everyone drinks, because even though it's in the same vein, this this has a lot more flavor to it than those because it, it you know, just from the way that it's made and the, and the malts that they use. But I find, yes, this does have a pretty nice dry finish, um, which I think is a characteristic of the German style Pilsner that I think is carried over to the American light lagers. So the malt doesn't really stand out as much. It's just kind of light and uh, bready or even like a soda cracker perhaps. Yeah, and this one, this one, the finish is not as dry, so it, it has a little bit of a lingering um, aftertaste to it, where you, you you still get a little bit of that kind of yeasty breadiness to it. So mm -hmm. um, again, it's it's a difference between the the different types of, of pilsner, and it's you know um, it, it's a it's amazing, and I've said this many times, how much flavor depth you can get from four basic ingredients. Mm -hmm. You know. And I think a lot of uh, beer geeks will get surprised, I guess, when they go explore the uh, heavily hopped IPAs and the very uh, pastry stouts, and then they come back to the original styles that they may have just tried to uh, get away from, and then they find out, oh, yeah, there is a difference um, between Pilsners and Lagers and so forth. Yes, yes, yeah, very, very much so. Um now, in in terms of uh, in in terms of of blogging for for beer, how how long have you actually been putting out your blog? I have been doing this for at least uh, ten years. I started out with another blogging platform that went under. Uh, the platform I am on now, ChicagoNow.com, is actually owned by the Chicago Tribune Company, 
which, uh, you know, they just got sold to one of those vulture capital firms that immediately offered to buy out <laughs> to every columnist with a name on it. And uh, but we're suspecting they're going to keep us going because they're getting free content from us. Gotcha. Gotcha. But uh, we, if I can get my WordPress prowess going a little better, I might try to switch to uh, being independent. So someone who goes to my blog doesn't uh, doesn't just hit get hit up with ads all up and down the, the wazoo. But uh, the main portion of it that uh, I try to keep it going at least twice a week with a calendar of upcoming events in uh, Chicago that are beer related new tappings, uh, new breweries that are still opening. There's still a couple opening, um, at least two this past month, but then there's a couple that have closed down. So I think it's been a net gain um, in this area. Um, There have been more openings than closings, and sometimes uh, the smaller places will just slip away until and you don't find out about it until you read that the owner is doing something new or something like that right right yeah i mean uh to be fair there are a fair amount of uh small breweries and they come and go um and you know and this past year and a half two years has been rough for a lot of them Uh, i know i know here in canada um it was it was make or break for several several small breweries up here but uh, luckily for, for us in Ontario, uh, the government uh, allowed them to start shipping their beer via postal mail all over the place, um, all over the, the province. So, uh, you know, we were able to get beers from places that we would normally have to drive eight, nine hours to get to, you know, it gets delivered to us. So it, it, it really it really helped uh, bolster a lot of the smaller ones. But we still had a few that went under. But again, there's still a few that also opened during during all this in the last couple of years. And, you know, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, what happened here is that you could still ship beer by UPS or FedEx, not the Postal Service, but the uh, state and city kind of, gave their tacit approval to uh, brewers being able to uh, technically self-distribute their beers by sign either just uh, doing deliveries themselves or signing up with uh, food delivery services. And um, a lot of them were able to uh, open outdoor uh, seating, which helped a lot. I know some just haven't been in a location where they could do that sort of thing, but uh, that has been what's really kept everybody together. I know a couple places, and this just happened uh, this past week, in fact, is a uh, very famous uh, beer bar called Delilah's just found another one of their vaccinated servers tested positive for exposure. So they have done the due diligence. They're shutting down, scouring and sanitizing and just waiting until everyone comes back with a uh, negative uh, COVID test. So that is still going on. And, you know, we just had Lollapalooza in Chicago this past weekend. So right. I, I did not go, fortunately. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm too old. I, I don't know half the names there anyway. But uh, um, so, yeah, that's pretty much a super spreader event that uh, we probably should not have had. But there's a lot of stuff we probably should not be doing that is going on anyway. All right, right. You know, I actually saw some pictures from Lollapalooza uh, online today, and it was, I mean, the 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 sheer number of bodies packed in next to each other, and and 
you know, no thanks. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about uh, getting it in just normal interactions, but I'm not going to press my luck by being someplace with like 50,000 other people butthole to belly button, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, the past weekend I went to visit my parents in Iowa for the first time in a year and a half and saw one of our friends who has a cabin up on uh, up on the lakes right near the border of Minnesota, which is near the Arnold's Park Amusement Park. And yeah, that was, we were the only people there masked pretty much. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, my family and I are doing what we can to stay safe and uh, just, we're all, we're all vaxxed. I was actually double vaxxed with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because I was in a uh, I was in a, a, a study to see if uh, two shots will work any better than the one that they're recommending now. So, gotcha. So gotcha. I feel I, I, it's my superpower right now. <laughs> double Johnson Johnson superpower. All right, all right. So, um, getting getting back to pilsners beer. Yeah, <laughs> getting back to beer. Yeah. So. Um, if if you had if you had to choose, say one brewery that you think does pilsners really well, um, and it could be a micro brewery local to you, it could be a, a mass producer, it doesn't matter. Just just one brewery that you think does it really well. Who would you choose? Well, obviously, I like the folks who are right near me, um, and they have been really they have proven to be very popular. So it's not just me because I can walk down there. Uh, but <laughs> there are quite a few other uh, lager-only breweries. Uh, there's Metropolitan in the city of Chicago that yep. uh, does those. And uh, um, and now I'm, I'm blanking out on the others. But uh, uh, pretty much everybody has been doing at least a lager and trying their hand at a Pilsner. I know the Victory Prima Pills from Pennsylvania is still very highly thought after, thought of. And um, I tend to just go out. Well, I mean, when I go to other breweries, of course, I try to find the, the biggest beer that they have to taste. So if they're if they've got a barrel, you know, they've got a barrel aged bourbon stout on hand. That's really what I'm going to go for. I Same. Guess, the lightest <laughs> beer. So. I have not tried as many of the light beers as I could have gotcha. from this area. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you like what you like. I'm the same way. Um, given the choice, I'm going to gravitate towards a barrel-aged stout or a uh, a nice uh, you know, barrel-aged barley wine is another one of my favorites. You know, things like that. I, I tend to uh, to go for the heavy-hitting beers. I like, I like to be able to have one and be done. Um, as opposed to drinking six, seven, eight beers, you know? Uh, so I like, I guess I get, I, I like to get more bang for my buck, so to speak. <laughs> well, yes. And the story I like to tell is that uh, sometime after I moved to Chicago, that was when Goose Island opened up. So I kind of hung out there. And one time I was sitting at their brew pub bar and the server said, well, here, I'm going to let you try this. This is our 1000th batch. We had this crazy idea of taking one of our uh, heavy stouts and putting it in a bourbon barrel. So I believe I had the first uh, batch of Bourbon County Stout. And no, I can't remember the year either. There's, they really are foggy on whether that came out in 1993 or 1995 or whatever. If I remember correctly, I believe it, it came out in 93. Um, 
I've been drinking them for as long as they've been out. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you know, they, they, even they're a little murky. They don't remember the exact year, but I, I, I tend to believe that it was 93. And if, if I remember correctly, the very first one was done in uh, Jim Beam barrels. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So someone, someone goes, Hey, we've got these Jim Beam barrels. You want them for anything? And someone went, Hmm, I wonder what we could do with that. <laughs> Yes, I when I when I did home brewing, I was a member of the Brewers of South Suburbia, and they were the one. They claimed they were experimenting with uh, barrel aging beers, and that's where Goose Island got the idea. But uh, as we've said, it, it's there's a lot of really uh, murky memories involved uh, when you try to remember just when you you made or even when you had a beer. Well, that's because you're drinking beer typically when you're trying that's to remember that stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, if I was gonna if I was gonna give one uh, give a shout out, I'd actually give it to the, the the beer I chose today. I chose this beer because it is a fantastic pilsner. So this is uh this is Skeleton Park. Uh, they're based out of uh, Kingston, Ontario, which is about three hours north of me. Um, and they've got they've got a whole heritage series. Like I said, they've got uh, mm. they've got a, a traditional English ale. Um, that they say the recipe is 150 years old. They've got a, a traditional amber ale. And then they've got this one. And there's one other in the Heritage Series, I believe, uh, that I haven't tried yet. But all of them are fantastic because, uh, you know, like I said, they, they're all old world recipes. And they try and keep as, as much as possible to the, to the recipes. And then the other thing that they do is they try and source as much of their, uh, much as their grain locally as they can. Because, so, you know, Ontario, is, Ontario much, like, uh, much like the Midwest, is a big farm, you know, Province. So there's a lot of farming going on here. There's a lot of corn, soybeans, you know, things like that. So there's a lot of wheat and rye, especially rye. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, um, you know, they, they try and source as much stuff as they can and their product is fantastic. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't, you can't go wrong with a good beer. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there's not as much brewing grain being grown in this particular part of Illinois, but we have had a couple of hop farms that have been established just in the suburban area. And uh, one of the major new yeast labs, Omega Yeast, has been established in this area. But um, so, from yeah, I mean, for my, uh, for my choice, and there's, uh, there are just so many uh, brewers out there in places that are just so odd. I also meant, wanted to call out Weiner Brewing which uh, was established in an old building in the uh, stockyards area that used to be a meatpacking plant. And uh, so it, it, they, I think they were trying to get some of the wild beer going with whatever was found in the walls. But uh, And that <laughs> the rest of the building is like a vertical farm. They've, they're growing tilapia fish and feeding plants out of out of their out of the, the the waste that the fish are making but anyway my shout out is to uh, goldfinger brewing and not just because they're down the street from me they they are not giving me any free beer to talk about this but uh, they really are uh, sticking to traditional lager styles and then they've gone and done a lot of collaborations with uh, some of the local brewers to come up with uh, maybe the occasional India pale lager and so forth. And I also have to give a shout out to a brewery in the town next to me uh, called Skeleton Key in Woodridge, Illinois, uh, because they were hit by a, a tornado just a couple of weeks ago. And it was Ouch. like, oh, tap room 
Their tap room was uh, totally wrecked. They think they're salvaging the brewing equipment, but all the brewers and uh, beer distributors in the area just showed up at their building and trucked all the beer that was packaged and ready to go and were selling it out of another brewer. Uh, there's like a brewer in every town in this in the in this area, so I can't call them all out. But Downers Grove, where I'm from, has you know this one. They have a uh, place downtown called Emmett's Brewing, and then another one off uh, called Alter Brewing. There's actually a brewer at every stop on the commuter rail here. Nice. Anyway, uh, so they they have been getting a lot of fundraisers and. Uh, Goldfinger picked up uh, one of their beers to tap a, a, a nice Schwartz beer. So um, there's just, there's a lot of cooperation in the beer community in this area, as I'm sure there is in your, in your part of town too. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing about craft beer. They're not so much uh, adversaries as they are comrades. I mean, yeah, they're all trying to uh, sell their wares and they're all trying to make make their, their their money. But if it comes down to it, if someone needs help, they're all willing to help each other. Mm-hmm. And 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 that I mean that 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 spirit of community is absolutely fantastic. And you find that throughout. I found that every place I've ever gone. When I lived in the states, it was that way. Up here, it's that way. And I imagine if you go anywhere where there's craft brewers, there's going to be the same type of thing. There's going to be a community feeling to it. So. Yeah, and I think even like, you know, Goose Island is now owned by Anheuser-Busch, but they still try to keep a local focus going. And then the big brewers are always the ones who are, you know, they're the ones who are going to try to find ways to brew to use less energy or using less water. And hopefully some of that technique filters down to the smaller users um, as, as, but then again, they're still, they are, some of them are still going to try to drive you off the shelf. So. Right. Right. That is true. Well, um, that we've, we've come to the end of, of another episode of the show. So I would just like to thank Mark for being on. And I'd like to thank uh, everybody who, who's going to watch this when it, when it gets released um, if you've enjoyed the program, please, uh, subscribe. If you want to be notified when uh, new episodes come out, click the bell. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions for beer style, you'd like to see, uh, t- discussed, please leave comments down below. Uh, until next time I'm Rob from the internet. Cheers. Hey, Mark. Hello. Cheers. <laughs>